Hey, Waste No Day fans, before we get started with today's amazing episode, I just wanted to say that Nate's audio is a little rough. One more thing we were trying to do as we were transitioning over to me being several states away from Nate instead of us recording together in the studio and only the guest being remote. But the content that Dustin Seaton brought was so good. I I just... I couldn't part with the episode, so we, we, we decided to air it anyway. I know what you're thinking. If it's just Nate's audio, why didn't you just cut him out completely? I get it. First of all, how dare you talk about my co-host like that? Second off, Nate asked most of the questions as usual while I'm either sound asleep or texting. So it wouldn't be much of a much much of an episode without him. So if the audio is a little rough for you and you got to skip this one. I get it. It won't, won't be like that next week, but I can say that it's well worth the uh, rough sounding audio with Nate uh, sounding like he's recording from a cast iron bathtub because Dustin really, really brings some good content. So thank you for your patience again and uh, enjoy the episode. One thing I usually don't lack is confidence, if anybody knows me. Um, and it does. If, if there is a place in that, it's it. I guess it would be communication. But a lot of it's just the, the uncomfort of, like, of starting that conversation. So, And that's what I had to figure out. And I knew I could always do that. There's a, there's a way that I was taught, and we call it the form method. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your host, Brian Burton and Nate Minnick. Hey, welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. Your hosts, Nate and Brian, hanging out with you one more time and looking forward to a great guest and subject today. We have Dustin Seaton joining us. He is out of Mr. Sparky Mid-America, and he's going to be talking to us about the uncomfortable subject of growth through discomfort. It's going to be a great show and hopefully a little bit of a challenge to us. But for right now, Brian and I are going to spend just a little bit of time breaking down that subject for yourself. And we're going to turn to Brian for our quote. In life, we don't get what we want. We get what we deserve. Earl Nightingale. All right. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm with you there, Brian. Nice one. Yeah, I used that quote uh, in a a training I did this morning and um, really kind of broke it down. So the online etymology dictionary says that the word deserve, because we get what we deserve in life, not what we want, the classical Latin sense evolved from to be entitled to because of good service to be worthy of because of good service d meaning duh in latin which was from or completely and then severe meaning literally serve so from service so uh what you deserve versus what you want um if you're if you're serving customers on a daily basis be it on the phone from the truck 
from a leadership role training and and helping the field service staff you are serving people for a living and if you're in sales how do you make more commission you figure out how to serve more people you find a product or service that benefits people and you get them to buy it it's that simple and our subject today is going to be one that is uh, pretty close to home uh, because it, it's so easy for us to just kick back and relax and sometimes stay in that mode a little too long. Um, you know, you can call it coasting, you can call it drifting, you can call it whatever you want to. Uh, but we have a natural tendency to choose uh, easy things, right? And so that's something that our guest is going to wage against on this show. And it's going to be a great time. Uh, bucking against the trend of complacency and focusing on growth through discomfort. But for right now, it is time for our review of the week. Brian, who are we highlighting today? Love this. Five stars. Love listening to this podcast. It's such an encouraging and inspiring podcast, and it really helps my day-to-day life. Wasting no day is such an important way to live. Joni Absolute 22, sorry, Joni Absolute 2665. That could be a female tech. Joni? Uh, no, what if it's not now? You know, J-O-N-I, if that's Johnny, <laughs> my bad, J. Uh, but if, if it's a female tech, hey, we don't get a whole lot of reviews from you, so we appreciate you. That's awesome. That sure is awesome. And, of course, if you, uh, if you would like to leave a review for us, that would be super cool, and we'd really appreciate it, especially if it's a five-star one. We always love hearing from you. Right now, though, it's time for you to hear from us and specifically our guest as we put Dustin Seaton in your passenger seat. Our guest today is Dustin Seaton. He is the director of operations at Mr. Sparky Mid America. With over 15 years of experience in the field, he began his career in new construction as an electrician and transitioned into service technician six years ago. His dedication has led him to become the operations manager and progressing through roles like regional manager and regional general manager. Today, he is proud to hold the position of director of operations, overseeing excellence in every aspect of his electrical services business. Welcome to the show, Dustin. Uh, Thank you, guys. Yeah, welcome, buddy. It's good to have you, one, on the show, two, sitting four feet away from me. I know good it's hot out here yeah it's pretty hot dustin's in phoenix this week um handling some business at the phoenix mr sparky i showed up because i don't have a whole lot going on right here this moment so uh you've been laying down some good training yeah showed up spent some time with his uh with his techs as we talked about a little bit last week and got to uh get to know some really cool electricians out here so it's been a good time this is my second time getting to hang out with dustin um always have a good time doing that and uh yeah so we chat from time to time we text from time to time and uh just give each other a little bit of a push well well we are looking forward to a good show dustin and i'm sure you're gonna have some good stuff to bring we're talking about growth through discomfort today and you know there's a lot of different ways that we could take that topic uh but i'm excited to jump into it but first we always like to hear a little bit about uh the history of our guest what's your story where'd you come from how'd you get into the trades and what are you doing now man yeah, so absolutely. So I started uh, basically during high school uh, as an electrician, new construction electrician that was um, just roping houses. My brother was an electrician. Uh, so I, you know, of course, had to go to work on spring break, summer 
summer breaks, Christmas breaks, different things like that to get money. So um, during high school, my high school career, I was uh, doing electric work uh, with my brother and different things like that. So once I graduated uh, high school, I went to work at the company that he was currently working for uh, as an apprentice. I got my journeyman's uh, license there in the state of Oklahoma at, at around 20 years old. And then um, my, uh, my brother started his own company, and I went there and uh, helped him work. Still new construction, roping houses, so a lot different from what we do here in the Sparky world for sure. And uh, at that point, I worked there for probably about another, another eight years or so, so I was probably 10 years into the trade. When I uh, made the switch over to Mr. Sparky, and man, uh, I feel like we've all been there at some point. You run into a, you kind of run into a wall at that company, and uh, it's just kind of as far and as big as that mom and pop show that wants to go. And uh, you know, I just I wanted a little bit more. I wanted to make sure that I could find a way to provide for the for the family. Had a, a wonderful little baby girl coming along, so just just needed to step my career up, I guess you will. So uh, applied at a job here at uh, Mr. Sparky in Oklahoma City. Got hired on. Honestly, had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, I've done, you know, from spec homes, thousands of spec homes, big custom homes, no problem. Uh, I knew this was a service company. Honestly, the only reason I took the job was because I got a company take-home vehicle. And that was because I had the job. I had a company. Yeah, that was all I was looking for. I had had a couple other offers. This is the one that gave me a company take-home vehicle day one. So, uh that's honestly what landed me. Uh, what landed me here? They're doing things a little bit differently in Oklahoma City than they are here in Phoenix, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, everybody gets a vehicle. Everyone, you know, it was like Oprah for a little bit. Whatever it takes, you know, like That's, talent comes through the door. Yeah, and and you're not getting them because you make them bring their vehicle back to the shop. Like for real, how serious are you about growing your business? Not. It, it's an easy win. It really I mean, is. I mean, it really is an easy win. And so, like I said, I was working for my brother, so I did have a company truck, and I didn't feel like I wanted to add that expense on to uh, my continued expense. So uh, I got this, and I rem- I still remember sitting in the interview, like, just nervous. I, I wasn't afraid of my abilities as an electrician. I've been an electrician for a long time, problem solved, did uh, service calls. But if you're in the new construction business, you understand what it is like to do a service call, right? It's go there, fix whatever it is. Don't worry about anything else that may need to be Don't even taken look. care of. Don't even look at it. You ain't worried about making the home safer. You got 11 more calls to run today, so don't don't even, don't even you dare gaze toward any other electric. I wasn't even 11 more calls. I had to go back and finish finish that house so I could oh, go home geez. for the day. You know what I mean? <laughs> I got to go home when that house was finished. Even better. And yeah, so absolutely. So uh, I, I remember sitting there in the interview and just, you know, uh, knowing that it was all just service work and different things like that. And I was like, you know, what the heck, let's. Let's take a chance. Seems like a great company. Uh, interview went really well. So started, uh, that was in January 1 of 2018 was my actual first day on the job. So the day after New Year's was when I started in Oklahoma City. And then um, just uh, worked there for that year, kind of somehow throughout that year, just kind of what I felt kind of became the leader of that shop. And uh January 1 of 2019, I became regional manager, no, I'm sorry, regional manager. I became operations manager over the Oklahoma City office and uh, ran that shop. And then about halfway through 2019, I would say, um, became a regional manager over Oklahoma City and Tulsa as well. While I was still in the truck running calls, doing service work. Love that. Uh, all all fun, of the above at the stuff. time. Yeah. Um, so that was that was a fun year. 
and then, um, you know, from there we basically moved on. We opened a Phoenix location, then I became regional general manager over that. Finally got my, got my, uh, what is it, uh, what's in it for you, uh, FM? Yeah, favorite yeah. favorite radio station. That's right, you know, and it was to get me out of a truck. And uh, so once I went to regional general manager, got me out of a truck, and then um, did that for probably the last three years, four years or so, and then uh, over a couple new locations uh, as we started up new startups, and then um, this this year, 2023, uh, moved, actually had to move from Oklahoma City to Northwest Arkansas to our headquarters, and then became director of operations of MidAmerica, so... Uh, it's kind of kind of how I got here, but that's a little bit about me and I guess my story, what led me to here. Um, but man, in the trucks, fun, right? That's uh, awesome, man. Uh, what what, what a trajectory you've been on. Yeah, it's uh, we were. How we were old are you now? Uh, thirty-two. Nice. So, um, yeah, thirty-two. Came here twenty-six, twenty-five, something like that. What? Uh, when did you move to director of operations? This year, so when I was 32, yeah. So I was, like I said, I was, I was in the truck full-time, never ran service calls, never been a part of anything like this, you know, bigger than mom-and-pop type situation. And then uh, 19 became uh, just operations manager, and then same year, 19, regional manager. Somewhere in 20, uh, regional general manager, which was uh, at that point over Phoenix and Austin and uh, a couple of our new startups. And then... Um, did that for about three years, three and a half years. And then Man, you, so. you have, and I've, I've never been part of a uh, multi-state shop. Nate's never been part of a multi-state shop. I mean, we've been part of a big organization uh, or an organization we were part of growing into a big organization. But we have a lot of people listening who are, you know, technicians in the field and managers and, and even owners who are like, whew, just, just, dealing with the other three techs or dealing with my four employees or, or dealing with the customers that are, are right around the corner from my house is enough of a hassle. Like how are you managing techs and clients in, you know, three States over for crying out loud? That just sounds availability. Uh, you know, we just talked about, I'm here in Phoenix. I, uh, I had no intentions on being in uh, Phoenix this week. Um, I think Saturday, it was like, uh, you know what? I think I I was actually supposed to be in Austin, Texas this week. Well, you picked a uh, good week because it's yeah. 108 and humid outside. Uh, it feels so. wonderful. <laughs> it feels <laughs> wonderful. It's glorious. Uh, no doubt. No doubt. But um, honestly, it's just, I think my ability, and I've got to give some credit to, to my wife that allows me to go out and have a good support system at home and everything else that allows me to go out and do this type of different things. But um, honestly, just being able to, be available, being uh, to being able to go where is needed and uh, where you can help out. Right, I've always uh, somewhere it's co- quoted. I can't say it, but the the way you kind of move forward in my eyes is find a problem, fix the problem. So uh, I, that's what I look for. Right, I look for problems, and then what can I do to solve them? So well, there's no doubt accomplishing twice the amount of career uh, wins as Brian has while you're only half of his age mm, is something half, to be impressed about. It. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm imagining that, you know, that trajectory and that journey has been filled with a fair amount of discomfort. And that's kind of the topic we're focusing on today. And so, you know, when we talk about growth through discomfort, is that a, a personal motto for you or a career motto for you? So, uh, 
man, it, uh, I'm, I'm somebody that I love to have conversations, love to talk. I just don't like to start the conversations or to meet the stranger. I do like to meet new people, but I have a hard time just essentially starting off that conversation. Breaking the ice. Yeah, breaking the ice. And um, so for me, it was a, that was my biggest fear when I, when I came, when I started running calls, right? It was like, Man, like I had to go inside this customer's knock home, knock, yeah, knocking, knocking doors, door, and I got to be the conversation carrier. No idea who's gonna be behind door number one. You when meet it opens. all personalities throughout the day, and you expect that everyone is, is the is worst. Ten times worse than the worst customer you ever. Absolutely, met. it's yeah. never as bad as what you think it is. No. Um, but that's your mindset, almost and I think never. that's almost never. <laughs> it's been once <laughs> or twice. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, that's just, I think that anxiety that's kind of built up inside of you and somehow you got to figure a way to combat it and use it to your strength, I guess, is, was my mindset. And, uh, when I started, when I started here and we went through our, through our training, you know, yeah, you know, give a, go ahead and give that plug to Mr. Aaron Hagen and, uh, Daryl Boyd to do some great training and gave me some topics to talk about and, uh, different ways to interact with the customer when I was in the side the home, because, I didn't really have those abilities. I knew I had my electrical abilities that I could always fall back on. So in my head, when I got nervous or you feel that uh, butterflies inside your stomach, I, I had my skills to fall back you, on. Like I just, knew I could imme- always immediately revert to your, how much smarter you are than them at electrical. That's I knew I had that. You're not going to humiliate me by being a better talker. I'm just going to go back to electrical and uh, you can't reject me I if I don't ask you to buy uh, anything. Calls at plumbers houses. I mean, I'm telling you, those guys knew nothing <laughs> <laughs> just to start that off. Uh, they there were. It is. I love it. Plumbers, yeah. plumbers don't call electricians. <laughs> we can turn our <laughs> lights off ourselves. Phone, I get it. Um, nonetheless, uh, so I, I, I'll tell you. I remember my first call that I that I ran. I'm, I was I was as nervous as you could as you could as you could imagine. And uh, I get out there. This customer has no power. I'll kind of tell you about breaking the ice, but the the system is what I was going to follow, and that's how I was going to break the ice. I, I didn't have to worry about talking because I focused on the system, right? Uh, so if I could take my – basically it was taking my nerves off of worrying about talking and just doing my job. And so my very first call that I had to run, uh, give you guys a little quick backstory on this, is uh, it was actually an ER call. Uh, I just got out of training. I was walking out of training. My manager at the time was like, hey, Dustin, you're uh, taking ER this week. Uh, you want to, you feel like you can run your call. And I'm like, uh, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, no power in the living room lights was there. TV was out and whatnot. So I get there, go inside the, go inside the home and do just, just follow the system. Cause one thing I wasn't going to do is, uh, if I failed at this job, it wasn't going to be because of me. It was going to be because the, you know, the systems in place didn't work, but obviously, uh, obviously they worked. So nonetheless, I get inside the house, I'm talking to this guy and uh, I find out I can relate to him really well. Um, I have some family members that are in trucking, truck driving all over the, the United States, and that's what this guy was. He was a truck driver. So I uh, got, I found some common ground uh, that we could relate to and talk to and not necessarily just focus straight on his problem, but I was able to kind of open up just by kind of getting to there. So he's kind of a burly man and whatnot. And uh, I walk in there for uh, you electricians. He has push Maddox panel backstab devices no gfis in this house like it's in it needs some uh, dire need if you could say the least so that made me even more nervous because i knew i was about to write some good options if you will so uh go in there kind of educate and relate uh go out to my truck build my options and uh, i'm coming back into the house here 
And uh, during one of our role plays, we always talk about, uh, you know, when you're talking about GFIs, we call them our airbag outlets, right? And, uh, you know, because what happens when you get into a head-on collision? Hopefully that, uh, that airbag there deploys. And uh, so I remember talking to him about that. I'm not going to lie. I felt really corny, really corny. I was a, you know, I'm a trades guy who calls a GFI an airbag outlet nonetheless. But, uh, you know, followed the system, told the guy this, we'll go outside, build the options, coming back in, and I'm coming through the garage. And before I get to him, he's in the kitchen, he's on the phone, and I hear this dude talking to somebody on the phone, and he goes, yeah, man, he's like going to take care of this, and uh, he's even going to get airbag outlets installed inside my home. And, I, like, right then and there, like, I lost all anxiety, right? Like, I was like, man, just listening sometimes will take you a lot further than what you think. And so... Uh, at that point, I was able to get in there, and that kind of helped me relieve some of that stress. But uh, for me, just the— Did you, you find know, out what he thought an airbag outlet was going to look like? Nah, don't, ask, don't ask questions you don't want the answer to. Like I said, I, he, was already, he was already behind the airbag outlets. I don't care what he uses them for. <laughs> He's blowing up a little balloon and shoving it inside the I'm outlet. Telling, yeah, he was waiting <laughs> to prank his wife that night. But, um, but, yeah, so I guess a lot of that was not— was uh, getting away, what I would say, Nate, Brian, is uh, for me it was not focusing so much on the anxiety of being nervous and more of just focusing on the task at hand. And if I could keep my mind off of it, then I didn't realize I was nervous, if that makes sense. That makes perfect sense. <clears throat> Either you're, you've been doing it long enough where it's not an issue anymore or you distract yourself until you get to that point. Yeah, no, I mean, gosh, uh, talk about, you know, just – Right, sitting right here with you, this first uh, five minutes or whatever. Uh, hopefully, Nate, you edit some of that out. But, you know, I, I just had the same feeling. I'm running my first call again yeah, here. Yeah, he's just running off at the mouth like, uh, what are we going to talk about? Like, yeah, dude, I had chill. no idea. Chill. Like, we've but been sitting here talking for ten minutes before we went live, and then he just fell apart as soon as I pressed the button. like that, all right? Yeah. Oh, I'm editing all this out. Don't okay. worry about a thing, My buddy. man. My this man. will never see the light yeah. of day. Yeah, well, no, not no more <laughs> So yeah, Justin, so I mean, it it sounds like a fair amount of your discomfort is uh, based upon maybe a, a self-described introvert nature, or or at least uh, a, a lack of confidence in communication. Can you speak to that a little bit? So, yeah, I can. I can. I can say I. One thing I usually don't lack is confidence. If anybody knows me, um, and it does. If if there is a place in that, it's it. I guess it would be communication, but. A lot of it's just the the uncomfort or like of starting that conversation. So, and that's what I had to figure out. And I knew I could always do that. There's a there's a way that I was taught, and we call it the form method. I'm sure a lot of you guys have heard it, right? So, uh, when you need something to talk about, maybe other than what you're out there for, is you know family, occupation, recreation, or material items. Um, I'm a guy that. Um, I'm just your typical Oklahoman, I guess you would say. I hunt, I fish, I, you know, lake it, whatever. Um, so I would make sure when I walked inside those homes, I was looking around at different things, uh, just honestly just being observant, looking at my surroundings, because I knew at some point I could bring some of that up. And then once I got talking, I didn't have a problem continuing that on, but it was kind of developing that skill. And when I walked into the home, uh, just finding something I could relate to them you know, with, uh, whether that was if they had little kids around my age or my daughter's age, uh, you know, some of my age. <laughs> You're not that young. <laughs> I was then. 
So, um, but being able to find something I could relate to and talk about was probably one of the biggest things for me if I had to uh, say that helped me really overcome that. And I've been out of the truck sometime, I guess now, Nate, probably close to four years, four and a half years, something like that, since I've actually been in the truck. I, I still train. I still get in the truck from time to time. Um, uh, my guys that are listening to this, are, they're going to call me out on what that truck? One. What truck? What <laughs> truck? <laughs> um, but uh, it's, it's, it's been a little longer, I guess, when I still look back there. But uh, listening to your guys' podcast, actually, I remember I do a lot of travel, as we've talked about, and I remember Brian talking about one of his uh, mentors or a guy that you worked with. Uh, what was his name there? The, the guy that would always put you in a situation – uh, whether when you guys were traveling or were oh, dinner. Yeah, Lance Fernandez. Yeah. yeah. And I absolutely love that. So I actually still use some of that same technique today. And, uh, you know, Brian talks about it when they were on an airplane, like, hey, from the flight attendant or whatever, like find something about their life. Find out how many kids yeah. they have. It, find out It wasn't something. something. It was like, find out, yeah, find out if you grew up with both parents. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it's always something super obscure where you're like, you can't naturally stumble into that conversation. We were, and I was talking about that with some of your texts earlier where it was like in the beginning, well, I'm walking over there to, to figure out how to talk my way into, you know, it's like a bartender or something. The guy's sitting there trying to clean a glass or whatever with his little hand towel. And I'm like, Hey, how's it going? <laughs> and he's like, uh, good. And he's you know, like back to this. And, and, and I'm like, so uh, yeah, you live around here. He's like, yeah, yeah, I live about 10 minutes away, and he's like, get back to work. And I'm trying to figure out, and it takes me forever, and my stomach's in knots, and then, but then, like, by the time he stopped doing that to me, I would just walk right up and go, hey, by chance, did you grow up with both parents? Uh, I had a stepdad. Cool, how many kids do you have? Two. All right, thanks, man. Walk back over. It's like, here's the info. <laughs> it's like, you just, so what happened there? You started, at some point, I realized, like, like you realize more and more every time you do it, the people you're talking to are just as like nervous and anxious as you are. And whoever, whoever engages first wins like the, all the, the breaking of the ice lies on the, the least assertive person. I mean, so just walk right into it. Like stop sticking your toe in the water before you get in the pool and just do a cannonball, you know, dive full, full on. But that today still helps me. And if I could give advice to anybody out there, especially coming new into the trade is, I don't know what episode that is, but uh, go back, find yourself, put yourself in some uncomfortable situations like that and just practice it. Uh, Brian and I was talking about this the other day, and I never really thought about it this way, but it's a learned skill is something that Brian brought up, and it truly is. And uh, after hearing your guys' podcast and me not really running calls and kind of continuing to work on that skill and be out there and having to continuously meet new people and do those different things – uh, after hearing that episode, I continue to do it now, like in my everyday life. I, I make it a point uh, when I'm traveling to talk to the flight attendants. When I go out and eat, I make it a point to talk to them and just get some sort of information uh, out of them that I normally wouldn't just because I think it it's going to help you not only on your call, but it'll continue to help you develop down the road. But ultimately, I think our biggest problem is uh, lack of communication when we're inside the home as a technician. Sure. You know? Lack of communication a lot of times just well riddle me this if you're walking in to do to give an estimate for some electrical work or hvac or plumbing work or whatever garage door or cleaning or whatever and it is your mom's best friend who you've known 
almost your whole life. Like, where's the ice that you have to break? It doesn't exist. And anyone you know, they're not as uncomfortable as you would think they were if you did not know them. But if you can, if you can go at every person you meet like you've known them for years, that is the, that's the trick. That's the secret. Go at every person you talk to like you have known them for a decade. And get outside of yourself. So stop thinking about you. That, that, that's honestly where it's at, right? Because who are you worried about? Yeah, you're not worried about yourself. You're not worried about, you're not worried about about that person. Just put all your focus into that person. If you want to hear what he's talking about, that would be uh, the keys to relationship building with my man, Jeremy Pruitt from Halloween of 2022. So 1031-22 is the episode, the intro to that episode. We, We dig into it a little and I tell the most humiliating time that my uh, old mentor had me do it. It just humiliated me. And, and with those tactics, like, uh, you know, what I would say is definitely before everything, I think as human beings, we revert to the negative or the worst case scenario or the worst case possible. So if you can realize that we do that, so when you go in there and you think you're about to go talk to this customer, we automatically think about the, you know, the worst client that we've ever been to, not the best client that we've ever been to. Uh, if you can change it to, hey, this is going to be better than my best client than I've ever been to, I realized that that would also help me kind of alleviate some of that exan- anxiety before I even got in there because it was kind of like seeing myself win before I even stepped through the door, right? Uh, didn't necessarily have to worry about that. And uh, even talking about stepping out of your comfort zone, like he's talking about things that I would do is start with small things. It ain't gotta be, you ain't got to go crazy. You ain't got to just walk up on your first time like you talked about and just, hey, how many kids you got? <laughs> where do they live? Yeah. Well, you'll get to the point where you do it if you're forcing yourself to get a couple pieces of information from everyone you see for a while. You'll get to the point where you understand nobody's going to shoot you for whatever that anxiety is that you think is going to happen. It never happens. So you just get to the point where you're, like, completely numb, and you can just walk up and ask anyone anything. And the biggest thing is a lot of it, if you will start the conversation is what I've learned – they will carry the conversation. Yeah, especially if you're doing what, what we were doing, which I didn't realize at the time, which he was making me get people to talk about themselves. And everybody loves to do Everybody that. loves to talk about themselves. And in the service world, like uh, some active listening is, is huge. Uh, because when you're sitting there and that customer, and I mean, like I said, everybody likes to talk about themselves and they're going to tell you so much. They're going to tell you, you know, their high points, their low points. They're going to, what piques their interest is electronics. Is it this? Is it that? They will carry the conversation. You don't have to, you just got to go in there and be the, be the icebreaker, if you will, um, on that. But like I say, I think if you can stay focused on the listening part and what they're actually saying, the rest kind of comes along with it. So Dustin, I mean, it, it sounds to me like, you know, you've progressed your way through some uncomfortable situations and I'm sure there's many listeners who can relate, whether it's communication or, or learning a certain aspect of the trade or overcoming their first objection or dealing with the, you know, a difficult client, whatever it may be. Are you more in favor of the approach where you force yourself into uncomfortable situations so that you have to deal with it? Or are you more a fan of like preparing as best you can and then when the uncomfortable situation happens, you're ready for it and you roll with the punches, which, which has worked best for you. Um, I don't know if preparing for it is, was, was necessarily what I would go into. I would just go in with the minds. I, it was, for me, it was a lot of mindset situation that it's going to be okay. 
and find ways around that to to be okay with the you know the objection or whatever to get back into that and understanding that an objection is just going to turn into a conversation at this point and as long as you can continue to have ask uh, as the professional inside the home if you ask open-ended questions usually the conversation doesn't end so I can keep rolling keep the things going but I think just knowing I think uh, open-ended questions uh, is a great answer and uh, like I said let them talk they're going to tell you tell you a lot of things on that now that you're more of a regional uh, a regional person and you're getting around the country you're seeing uh, different technicians and in different locations and you're perhaps um, getting a bit more perspective would you say that many of the things that uh, we feel uncomfortable about you know as, as tradespeople or or even just as you know men and women would you say that you're finding more commonality in what people across the country are finding uncomfortable or do you find that you know people in Phoenix have different discomforts uh, than people in Oklahoma City than people in Tulsa you know what has that been like now that you're getting around and gaining some perspective um i think that re- so to, for me just from you know traveling i guess across six different states that we cover it it all falls up on the per- the the technicians um skills or their abilities what they're comfortable with so if i'm only comfortable with surge and smokes i'm only going to want to talk about surge and smokes and so it to me it goes a lot of difference from tech to tech to tech so the best advice that i can give somebody to help with the uncomfortable uh different things uh like that out would be learn your role plays to me role plays are massive and they will lead you to be able to talk about you know we have a top 10 list is what we call it. And it's just our top 10 life safety items. And we have a role play for those. They're not long, not that too, not too hard. But what I notice more than anything is, um, what I notice more than anything is guys will learn two or three of those top 10 role plays. And that's where they really seem to focus. And we know it by the numbers that we track and the, the routes that we go down. But uh, what I would, what I, if I could give any advice is learn your role place for somebody that like me, that wasn't, there was, is an electrician and is confident with their skills, but doesn't necessarily know how to make it relatable to the customer is focus on those role plays, stick to those role plays, practice with those role plays and put yourself in uncomfortable situations. And what I mean by that is, man, go do it in front of your peers, go step up in front of your entire team and start role playing, uh, it's not going to be any more uncomfortable. That's probably the the most uncomfortable moment you'll have is on the role play type situation is doing it in front of your entire team. And uh, if you can perfect it in front of those guys that know exactly what you're talking about, a group of electricians, a group of plumbers, group of HVAC, whatever it may be out there. If you can do it in front of those, your team and they know when you mess up, you, uh, you, you realize when you're out there with a customer and they don't know, they don't know, you know, really anything at all, it's, it's smooth as can be. So uh, to me, it's perfect, perfect practice makes a uh, perfect, right? So, or Vince Lombardi. Yeah. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's reputation at that point. And that was, that was honestly for me, Nate, was just to, to get myself out of the, the comfort zone was learning my systems. 
Um, and that was my way of turning. Cause once I had success, I, the system made me have, have success, understanding my role plays, different things like that. And once I got that stuff down, then I could not have the anxiety so much as being nervous of running calls or presenting options or talking about, you know, arc faults, breakers, panels, whatever we may be talking about, uh, because it turned to confidence from, you know, nervousness, I guess you would say. It seems to me, Dustin, that in, in today's world, there is a, uh, uh, maybe this is revealing a little bit of my, my perspective on things, but there's a shyness to do hard things. Um, there's a, a welcoming of comfort, right? You know, mm-hmm. like, oh, you don't have to push yourself, you know, the, the helicopter moms and the, the participation trophies and all this stuff where we've just, we've, we've bubble wrapped so many things in the culture uh, and, and so it, it's quite feasible that somebody goes through their, their up, you know, their up and coming years and doesn't really have to overcome challenges. Like, you know, they, they're never really faced with a significant, a significant, uh, you know, issue like, oh, uh, you know, and, and the Wi-Fi going out doesn't count. Like that, that's not what I mean. I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> real levels, real levels of discomfort, real um, pull yourself up by the bootstraps moments. Uh, and so, like, I don't know if you agree with that or not, but as you reflect upon kind of where the up-and-coming generation is or, or even, you know, the, the technicians that you train or see on a, a weekly basis, what is it that you encourage them to do in terms of, like, get out there and do hard things, like stop waiting for somebody to come along and, and just give things to you, get out there and do it because it's worth it. How do you, how do you bring that perspective to the table? Man, uh, everything you said is a hundred percent true, and uh, you know I would never, I wouldn't admit that if Brian would have said that. But um, <laughs> but <laughs> the, but no, you're exactly right, and that's it's very hard, and it, it's honestly they they have a run mentality, right? When things get tough, uh, might as well run. It what they don't realize is it's much easier just to buckle down, uh, learn where you're at. You're already there. The grass ain't always greener on the other side, and uh, go get it. But um, man, that's a, I mean, you put it in pretty good perspective is right now. I feel it's like almost it, like it was getting cathartic there for a second, right? Yeah. <laughs> like Nate was doing, getting some, uh, was on the, the therapist couch. Yeah. Did you lose oh. your Wi-Fi today, buddy? <laughs> I, I wasn't exactly sure where we were going. I know that'd be this. the end of your world. <laughs> um, yeah, for sure. It's a, it's a, uh, I mean, it, it all comes from a good place, right? I mean, this, this search for comfort, this need to, to coddle and baby our, our, our kids. And Gosh, the internet. I, I feel like, uh, you know, you, everybody can hide behind a keyboard these days. Everybody, you know, can do it from there versus actually having to be out there in the real world and actually having to grab that hammer, hit that staple. Like, you know, I, I, I have social media, of course. I think most of us do out there, but I'm not a guy that posts on it or does a bunch of different things, but I think I see a lot of people a lot of times and they hide behind it. And, uh, you know, on the internet, you can be anybody you want to, you can act as hard as you want to, you can be the hardest worker, but at the end of the day, it's, you know, it's not getting done, but everybody thinks it's all right. So I think, um, I think what that has done for us and, you know, the generation coming up is they care more about perception than reality. And reality is it's not going to be given to you and you got to go out there and get it. And you got to get out there and earn it. Um, 
because if it's handed to you, it's not going to be what it would be if it was earned. There's still hope, though. I mean, you've seen now with the years you've been in this, <clears throat> Nate and I have certainly seen um, someone from the, let's just say it, millennial generation. It's your generation. It's yours too, Nate. Uh, but someone pretty soft and babied and never really known a hard day and never really had to struggle through anything come in and actually get it. And, and get to the other side of that and, and, and find a couple wins through hard work and go, you know what? I like this. Like this is a, there's no better feeling on earth. There's no, there's no comfortable feeling of any kind that even scratches the surface on the feeling of a job well done, a hard fought win. And when people get a taste of that, that becomes addictive. Uh, you're 100% right. And some of that's just, I think, competition that's inbred in, that's bred inbred, that's bred into <laughs> some comes people. the Oklahoma City in them. Dude, that's the Arkansas <laughs> location <laughs> I got to work at. Sorry. Um, Taking no. shots at the boss now. Huh? <laughs> no. Um, so, but no, uh, yeah, it's it's hard, man. And uh, the, the wins is what will get you there. But to get to the wins, you got to put in the work. Uh, the wins don't just happen overnight. They're probably not going to happen on your first call or, you know, systems, different things like that. It does take a, a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of, I mean, just grit sometimes. you gotta be a, you got to be okay with losing every now and again, even though it sucks. Uh, you know, love, love the movie Moneyball, right? And he talks about, I, I, uh, I hate um, losing more than I like winning. And I think that's one of the coolest statements ever. And uh, it sucks to sucks to get knocked down, but if you as long as you continue to get back up, eventually you'll you'll uh, you'll be there at the at the end of it. So, Dustin, there's a, the, one of a, a great movie that's out there, Saving Private Ryan. It's a, a classic war film by Steven Spielberg, uh, depicting the events surrounding uh, D-Day and the mm-hmm. invasion on Normandy. Um, and there's a fictional character, you know, who uh, a bunch of guys are going to rescue and all that. Uh, but part of it that stands out to me is one of the characters is a fairly young soldier. And during one of the critical battles, his task, like like his, uh, his unit is basically pinned down and they're about to get surrounded by the German army. And his task is to run around and resupply ammunition to the troops who are stationed, you know, in buildings and around corners and all kinds of places. And so he's, he's doing this and like everybody's getting shot up and he's getting called, you know, I need ammo over here. So he runs over there and drops some, I need ammo over here. So he runs over there and drops some. And there's this one scene that that's just brutal to watch because like he's, he's going up to help uh, one of his guys and give him some ammo and, and uh, an enemy soldier has already found that guy. And they're in this, just this crazy fight, like a physical nice fight. fight choking each other and everything. <laughs> and he, He's a young soldier, and, and he has the opportunity to go in there and help him, but fear overcomes him. He's just gripped by fear, and he just sits there in the other room listening to this gruesome battle go on as his, as his compatriot uh, gets killed. And then the enemy soldier walks right by him, looks at him, and stares at him, and he can't even move. And it, it, you know, it just speaks to like the regret that if we choose not to do hard things, and if we all like whether it's fear-based or, or whether it's laziness or cowardice or whatever, there's an element of regret that comes with that, and there's an element of victory and confidence that comes with it when we choose to do the hard things. So, can you speak to a time in your life when when you were faced up against you know maybe not a life or death situation, but when you're faced up against something that was hard? 
and that you chose to move forward with it and you felt the victory from it. Or if you want to be humble and honest, you can choose a different example where you chose not to do something and you've regretted it. Speak to us about a story from your past. Wow. Um, Okay. So I I would say I don't really shy away from challenges, uh, especially if you know people um, around me or what we do. So it's kind of part of the reason Brian texted me last night. You want to be on a podcast? Yeah, I knew it was going to be a challenge, but I'm not going to shy away <laughs> from it. And I was pretty it. sure it was going to be yes. Yeah, like I'm not going to shy away from it, even though it's uh, going to be challenging. Nonetheless, um, there is a there was a, you know, there was a time, I, I guess, in my early career that I went and I worked in North Dakota, Minot, North Dakota. It's a wonderful place. If you ever get a chance to visit, don't. Um, <laughs> no, uh, wonderful, wonderful place that I went up there and, uh, was doing some, uh, electrical on some of the drilling rigs and doing different things like that. And man, I was 20, I just turned 21 when I went, I guess you could say Nate and dude, just making, I was single. I was making really great money at the time up there. Um, really good money. And, uh, you know, you see that stuff and it starts to, oil field comes and goes and starts to slow down. And, you know, the writing on the wall was that money wasn't going to be there the whole time. And, you know, what does every 21-year-old do that starts to make money? They blow their money, you know. Um, had a good time with it. But nonetheless, when I I had to, I guess my where I came to the biggest challenge was I had to find a way when I came back from that place in North Dakota and from making all the, making really good money and doing different things. And I went back to new construction, which is what I know. So I cut my salary into about a quarter of a, of what it was. And, you know, at that point in time, there was, there was a, a crossroads in my life because I seen the, I seen the part where I could have went and jumped back into oil field, maybe not even doing electrical, but I could have got back on that money and I would have had to got back on the road uh, and kind of just leave home again and just be chasing that. But uh, I guess where it got hard is, uh, staying there and grinding it out for, you know, $19 an hour and just, you know, went from having whatever I wanted, I guess you could say at that age to some pretty humble pie, you know, having roommates, uh, crappy couches. At know. $19 an hour? <laughs> My early plumbing career was seven. Yeah, but I mean, when you're 49 years old, like... The dollar went further back then, all yeah. right? I daydreamed about $19 an hour between two of us. No, no. Like I said, I, I lived a pretty good life for a couple of years up there, all right? Um, but honestly, what I, I and like I said, I man, I had a great childhood. I had great parents. Um, I didn't have, like, you know, really a, a bad upbringing by no means. My, my dad's a, a guy that just freaking grinded it out. I think that's where I got my work ethic from was, was my dad. And, uh, so I can't say anything like, you know, tough times like that. Uh, but it was just the choice to, do I run from what I know will be success for, you know, obviously a lifelong career that I can make something out of myself and continue to grow? Or do I chase what was right in front of me and go back to, you know, making, making some oil field money. Um, and so I just stayed there and kind of grinded it out for, couple years um and then like I said really everything kind of kind of switched gears for me when I finally decided to make the leap and went to Mr. Sparky and then got back on that money train 
but I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking there for, Nate. But yeah, I don't like I said, I don't I don't have just a tough, crazy roadblock time. Like I said, I had some great parents and uh, a great upbringing, to be honest. So, um, but yeah, and I was I'm a guy that's not gonna rely on. I I never I I mean it didn't matter what was happening. I wasn't gonna be somebody that relied on, you know, my my parents or. Uh, whoever to bail me out like they're <clears throat> my way was <clears throat> I was never gonna it's burn the bridges type of thing right I moved out at 18 and I wasn't going back so whatever I had to do whatever that meant um, was that but that was just my mindset so but as far as like you know just crazy tough times like you just talked about and saving saving private Ryan not quite as gnarly as his I would say yeah and, and it's one of those things that like it sounds to me like your life has been full of quite a bit of, I'm going to choose the hard things anyway. I think, I think that uh, when, when we choose hard things and we do it continuously, that habit is a lot easier to fall uh, to follow the next time a hard thing comes around. And, And the, the inverse of that is also true. When we choose to accept excuses, when we choose to, to shy away from hard things, when we choose comfort, and that becomes our MO, it's also easy to really follow in that, in that pathway. And so like, you know, I I feel like anybody can fall into a habit or a routine of just accepting less than and becoming complacent or content or just, you know, I don't need to push it as hard as I used to, or I don't need to go, uh, you know, go out as, as hard as I had, as I have in the past. And we kind of come up with all these rationalizations about, whether it's how old I've gotten or, or something that's changed in my life or, or something that's going on outside of work right now. And we come up with these rationalizations to say, okay, for all these reasons, I don't have to push myself as hard as I used to. I don't have to do these hard things. And while there are times and seasons when that may be true, a lot of times it's a bunch of BS. And if we don't recognize that and call it out in ourselves and say, hang on, when's the last time that I actually did challenge myself? When's the last time that I actually did choose to do something hard? That's when we start to see that atrophy. And so much of this episode is focused around growth through the discomfort. I mean, the opposite of that is, is atrophy through laziness. And atrophy is, you know, the breaking down of your muscles that just basically become, you know, fat over time because you're no longer putting them in areas of discomfort. You're no longer putting them through hard things. And so what do they do? They break down, they atrophy, they grow weak. But it's the constant decision to say, I'm going to choose hard things that creates the growth. And, And through that, when a seed is planted in the ground, the seed has to die for growth to occur. The seed has to die when it is put in the ground for growth to occur. And when that happens, even though it's a hard thing, you see the benefit of the seed finally turning into that plant. Yeah, I, uh, I'm just to follow you up there. I always uh, quote uh, Batman, Dark Knight. Uh, the night is always darkest just before the dawn, and and it's kind of exactly what you're talking about there. And I, I would want to touch back on the no excuses thing. If you would talk to my uh, my ops team right now and uh, management in there. And that's one thing that I go in every single week when we do an operations meeting. Um, the one thing that I talk about them is we're going to, you know, we'll handle any kind of issues, anything I can do, but don't come to me with excuses. I am doing a no excuse policy. Um, there's always a solution. There's always an answer. There's always a way out. 
don't come to me with why we can't do it. Come to me with why we can or how can we and let's figure that out together type of situation. But um, it's funny that you say that because we are, I'm trying to, and they're, they're great. Like I think I have literally the best ops team in the country and I'm sure every other manager would say the, would say the same thing um, about their shop, but these guys truly sit out there and grind it out and uh, make, they make my job easier, a lot easier because they start implementing the no excuse policy that, you know, I put them and I just came in, I think it was actually after a, a Goggins book or a Goggins podcast that uh, he was talking about somebody I listened to a, a ton of is David Goggins. And it's just, I love his stay hard, right? Like the don't show no weakness there. There won't be no weakness type situation. And uh, not to not to put a plug on somebody else while we're while we're here doing this waste no day, but oh, you're never gonna hear us complain about plugging but, one of those but, guys. Uh, Goggins is a uh, uh, somebody that I listen a lot to just on mindset. Now I know he's a little bit extreme, but uh, just his mindset's phenomenal, and uh, I try to take that and instill that. Uh, you know whether that was in myself when I was just out there running calls is don't come with excuses. If you didn't sell the call in every every you know what I hear most is, man, it was that crap customer or whatever it was. Like, before you say it was that crap customer, let's figure out what you could have done first. Did you run your call to the 100% potential? Did you run it to the best of your abilities? Did you try to overcome that objection? And so, Sometimes you can think, yes, like I did everything I could do there. The, probably The reality is you probably did. No, and what I always found to be the most effective way to get outside of it and see it from a different perspective is to look at it from a different perspective. So say, is there anyone I know that I think could have sold that call? And I did that with my old mentor, Lance, um, where I would go, yeah, he would have sold it. No matter what the answer, I would always just say, yes, he would have figured it out. How? And then replay in your head what so-and-so would have done to actually sell that call and then try that next time. And it's, it's usually not a negative conversation because once I ask them, hey, did you run it to 100%? Is there any part that you missed on whatever? Usually you can have a realistic conversation and the guys are, they notice enough like, yeah, no, I probably could have been better here. But it goes back to our comfort thing that why weren't they better there is because they're not comfortable in that position, right? They didn't either set the expectation. They weren't comfortable with their, you know, going over their safety inspection or weren't comfortable with their role plays. So they didn't do it. So... You know, you miss out on those things. Nerves took over. Yeah. The anxiety so, overcame you, which. And once you can get some vulnerability and understand, like, hey, we're all uncomfortable. Um, none of us are, none of us go in there not nervous. I go run a call right now, and I'd be just as nervous probably as my first call, right? But I, I'd have the confidence is the difference, but I'd still be just as nervous. And, uh, but once you talk through that and we can start training through that, it's, uh, it's pretty big, but it, I think the biggest part takeaway was just with myself in my own mind was to stay away from the the um, the excuses because it's it's very easy to go in there and blame it on the customer or blame it on a bad call or blame it on a non-opportunity when I probably personally myself could have done more on that call to convert it or make that home safer or whatever it may be. And so I just kind of took that up the ladder with me as I continued to you know, throughout my career. And now I do the same thing with my ops managers is don't, you know, don't come to me with excuses. Let's, let's figure out solutions. Let's give these guys a way to win. Like that's what we do a lot. Like make sure when we're coaching, we're coaching the win, not, uh, not coaching to cut, to coddle, if you will. And then, uh, as they do that through their, 
their technicians in the shop and you start getting that culture of uh, winning culture and uh, yeah, just a winning culture, no excuse culture. And man, it becomes a winning culture. So Dustin, let's say that somebody's listening to this, this episode and, and you know, they're having one of those moments where this is just resonating with them and they're saying, you know what? I, I have been shying away from hard things. I have fallen into a pattern of comfort. I have begun, I have been accepting less than for far too long, and I'm afraid I don't know how to break out of it because it, it's become habitual at this point. It's become kind of like what I do. What would you say to that person to help them break through uh, this, this acceptance of comfort? Like, all right, you know, the next time this happens, Here's what you got to do to force yourself into that place of doing hard things and that place of growth. Because when, like we talked about before, when you're in that habit of doing things, it's just so easy to continue accepting the less than and choosing comfort and shying away from difficult things. So what would you do to encourage them or, or to the break them out of that habit and get them back to a place of growth? So I think there's a couple words you touched on there is habits. Um, You've obviously made a habit of making up excuses, so that's a learned lesson. Might not have been a good lesson, but you can also get out of the habit by teaching yourself out of it. And I think consistency, and it's some of that's just, you know, man, put something on your dash. Uh, no excuses, you know, whatever it may be. Put something on your dash before you go in there. You know, running out of the locker room, hitting that top thing before you walk in this house. No excuses, right? And uh, it's just something that you got to do consistent. So. I would say get consistent with it and uh, have some self-awareness that maybe you are giving yourself excuses and, you know, just just be honest with yourself, honestly, Nate. So as we're wrapping things up here, Dustin, this has been a really good conversation. And I want to I want to ask you one more vulnerable question here. You know, obviously, you've overcome some challenges in your own life. You, you've broken out of some introvert tendencies you you strengthen your communication obviously you're doing well because you've risen through the ranks and become a coach to other people what what is something that you struggle with right now in terms of choosing the discomfort choosing the hard thing what is something that you're still trying to overcome today um yeah so i as since my director of operations role came on this year uh what i would say is just making sure that I bring good content to our meetings, making sure that our meetings are not boring. Like that's what gives me anxiety right now is, uh, you know, when I'm, when I have an operations meeting every Wednesday, uh, there's a lot of buildup, like, man, are these guys going to take away from this? Is there something going to be able to walk Gino's, out here with Gino's this? in the second row falling asleep yeah, on you? Dude. Yeah. I call him out in that meeting. No, I'll call him out. Gino's that been swinging a pickaxe for a few days. Hey, dude, he's pretty, putting in 42K right now. Yeah, give my man Gino some. Beat, but I still got to give him a little crap. You know? Love you, buddy. <laughs> yeah, give him a he's, – he's sleeping. He ain't listening. Right now. <laughs> okay, <dude. laughs> no, uh, give him a Gino a break. He's putting in 42K, and uh, it's going in the ground. So – in, in here in Arizona, it does take a pickaxe, but no, that anxiety is back again. You know, you got to go prep for that meeting. You're leading at this point, other leaders right now. And, uh, I just don't want to waste their time. They're busy during the day. They, they're fielding phone calls. I ask them to, you know, put their phone on focus mode, whatever it may be. And, uh, so I have that anxiety of leaving them, them leaving that meeting. Like this is a pointless meeting. You know what I mean? Um, so 
that's where it is right now with me, I say, and where I'm getting better at is focusing on learning to, I guess, learning to lead meetings. Um, I have the content, I have stuff I want to talk about, but just to make sure it's interactive and it's fun and they actually take something away from it, Nate. Yeah, I can uh, certainly sympathize with that. Uh, You know, if you ever move into a role of leadership or into a role of training, uh, content creation is, is so critical um, and you cannot just roll over a meeting. You can't just like coast uh, because you do that and, and, and all of a sudden people realize like, well, you didn't put the effort in, so I'm not going to put the effort in. And so you got to bring it and bringing it is uh, it's not, it's not easy. And, and you know that. Yeah. And it's quick. You can, you can tell when you lose somebody and uh, you know, you, and you try to get them reengaged, but man, you've lost them, you know, better, not better luck next week. Uh, type situation. So yeah, no, at the end of the day, they just deserve better than that. Yeah, like you said it earlier. They make they make our jobs not e- not even easier, possible. Yeah, because if there's only four people working at the company, there's nobody in the office. Eh, ain't <laughs> like, no need for me, right? So um, the least we can do is stay up after the wife and kids go to bed and put a little blood, sweat, and tears into the meeting for the hour that we might have them the next morning is like, for me, that's just the absolute least I can do for the team that's out there freaking swinging pickaxes in 110 degrees with some humidity. And you were worried about walking to the door. You had to make sure I was in here. Uh, I was pissed. I was like, you better open his door. I'm not stepping out of this car. He wouldn't get there. He goes, are you inside? I'm not getting out of the car. I'm looking in the window before I come to the door. The door's not cracked. I want the air conditioning to hit me five feet from the door. <laughs> no, absolutely. That's a, that's a plumber for you, though. Well, this has been great stuff today, Dustin. It's always good to have a challenge uh, for all of our listeners, including myself, uh, in terms of choosing to do the hard things and growing through discomfort. If people are really resonating with what you're talking about today and they're interested in finding you or learning more about what you're all about, where's a great place to do that? Uh, uh, so my email is uh, D as in Dustin Seaton S E A T O N at SparkyElite.com. Um, that's really that's really about it. I don't I don't I don't have no big social media platform or you know worldwide podcast we got going on here. <laughs> You're darn right, award winning worldwide podcast. <laughs> well, good stuff, Dustin. And as we wrap up here, uh, last question for you. I'm sure you've done a fair amount of reading or listening to resources around doing hard things. You already mentioned Goggins. Besides David, uh, are there other uh, books that you would recommend to somebody who's maybe feeling a little more uh, lackluster in terms of their pursuit of growth or somebody who feels like they've fallen into that habit? Who would you recommend? Right. I mean, I'm a huge Jocko fan. Um, The dichotomy of the Jocko. So I'm a a huge uh, fan of dichotomy of leadership. I think that was his second book. The ultim- the first one was Extreme Ownership, and then his second book was The Dichotomy of Leadership. I probably listened to that thing a few times, and it's a great book because it's broke out in, like, chapters. If you just read it from beginning to end, it's, like, 15 hours, so it's impossible. But uh, it's broke down in, like, 45-minute chapters, and such a freaking good book, man. Good stuff. Well, our guest today has been Dustin Seaton. It's been great to have you on, man. We really appreciate you uh, being vocal and honest about this particular subject. Like I said, it is something that we all need to be challenged in, and you've done a great job at laying that down for us today. So thanks so much for sharing with us. 
No, I appreciate you guys. Uh, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on, buddy. I'm looking forward to, uh, as uh, most guests I tell that I enjoy an interview with, looking forward to having you on again. Hey, that's a wrap for this podcast. We hope that you enjoyed your time with Dustin Seaton. Like I said, it, it's always great to have somebody who's kind of uh, making you feel a little bit uncomfortable about what you're doing and whether it's enough. And so appreciate the challenge there, and I hope you as a listener have done that as well. If you're interested, make sure that you reach out to him. Uh, he's provided his email address, and I'm sure he'd be happy to help. Uh, and, of course, we're always looking for great guests. So if you have uh, other subjects or ideas about who you'd like to hear on the podcast, let us know. Hit us up in the comments. Leave us a review. We sure appreciate that. Right now, though, we're going to leave you with our weekly challenge, which lines up very nicely with the subject of today's podcast, to choose to wake up every single morning and waste no day. <laughs>